The Money Pit is presented by Lutron and Home Advisor. Now, here's Tom Kreitler. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler in Jamestown, Rhode Island today, and I'm here hanging with our friends from this old house. They've invited me to be a part of the final day of production here in Jamestown as they complete and a really unusual house. They've taken a 100-year-old seaside house that when it was originally built was probably never intended for anything other than summer residency. They bolted on a brand new addition and they've made this entire structure so energy efficient, it's now known as a net zero house, which means it's designed to create the total amount of energy it needs to operate. So coming up this hour, we're going to get all the details on that project straight from the TOH team, including Kevin O'Connor and Roger Cook. Plus, Norm Abram will be by to talk about a very special milestone reached by very few programs because this is the 40th season of this old house. So let's get to it to kick things off. I'm very pleased to welcome a great friend of the Money Pit, Kevin O'Connor. Welcome, Kevin. And I mean that figuratively and literally because not only are you our pal, but you've been a friend to many homeowners now for many, many years in your role as host, and congratulations on the 40th season of this old house. Wow. Yeah. 40th wow. season. 40th season, 40 years. It's something we're very proud of. As you know, yep. um, I can't take any credit for that. Yep. I've only been doing it for the last 15, so the <laughs> other boys are 25 years ahead of me on that yeah. one. But it's a testament to what Norm, Roger, Richard, and Tommy started back in 1979, um, that it's still going, that it's still popular, that we're still doing beautiful buildings like yeah. this. And we're, we're taking it for a little bit of a victory lap. We're proud of it. Absolutely. So tell us about this area of Jamestown. Now, we're kind of right across the river from Newport, which is famous for for mansions and cliff walks. Is this where you moved if your name wasn't Vanderbilt? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. It's an island right, um, right in Narragansett Sound. So to the west of us is the mainland of Rhode Island. Right. Uh, and then to the east of us, as you say, is the peninsula of Newport, where all the mansions are, all of the sailing. Uh, it's a smaller island community. Back in the day, people had to take the ferry to go to school from right. here to the mainland. Yep. We are now connected by bridges, but it's always been sort of you know one step removed from the hub and bub of of Newport. For us, it's the home of our architect, who's also our homeowner, right. who's fallen in love with the area. They had been vacationing here for many years, and they decided, nope, this is where we want to raise our kids. This yeah. is where we want to live. And so that is what has sort of started this project to begin with. Now, this is a net zero project, and that probably had a lot of challenges behind it. You took a very old building, mm -hmm. you added on an addition that significantly increased the space of it. Uh, you had to bring those together and uh, not miss a trick when it came to being energy efficient. Yeah, Net Zero has two components to it. You've got to make your own energy. We do that with solar panels, and that's kind of new, beautiful technology. But you also have to then try to reduce the load that you use in the house. Right. And as you know, these old houses, the original one here was built in the 1920s. Um, it leaked like a sieve. We took off some old asbestos siding that was over the um, white cedar shingles. And when we did that, you could see sort of the vertical boards going across a two-by. And there had to have been at least an eighth of an inch, maybe a quarter of an inch gap between all of those. Oh, and I just yeah. say that as sort of as an example of how much <laughs> yeah. it leaked. Right. Um, we've got to seal all that up. Right. We've got a foundation that's in the ground that leaks as well. We've got a roof that leaks. So you got to seal that up and then you got to add a new addition onto the house and make sure that those two marry well. And there's a yeah. whole bunch of different ways that we got into that. Um, we won't know for net zero for an entire year of living here. Until you run the numbers and see if you basically made all the energy that 
that you're going to need. Absolutely. Yeah. We were able to do some tests beforehand. Right. And we know we made great strides in terms right. of air barriers, air efficiency, energy efficiency. We've got some great equipment, but it's a huge challenge to do net zero on a retrofit. So we're going to see if we pull it off. Now, everything is unique about this, including the framing. It's not your run-of-the-mill two-by-four wall, is it? It's not. Jeff Sweener, who is our local builder this time, he's working for us down here in Rhode Island. You know, His goal is to try to get as much insulation into this house as possible. Right. So he went to a two-by-six wall, and that mm-hmm. gives us a deeper cavity. The other thing it allows us to do is because the two-by-sixes are bigger than the two-by-fours, you can spread them out, and you don't have to be 16 inches on center. You can right. be 24 inches on center, and that allows you to drop some of those two-bys out of the equation. And again, as you know, when you take the two by fours out of the equation, they're sort of your weak link. That's right. where you get the thermal bridging. You'd yep. rather have insulation in the wall than exactly. wood in the wall. Yeah. And we were able to drop about 40% of, of the, the lumber. Of, of the lumber. Of what would have been that connection from, from outside to inside through those two by fours. Now you have fewer studs and uh, you're going to have that much less connection. That much thermal bridge has basically been eliminated there. Absolutely. Yeah. And we're fighting for mm-hmm. every possible load yeah. reduction trick that we can yep. get. And that was one of them. Now, windows were another thing that you worked hard on. You very, very carefully selected some windows for this area that were triple pane, correct? Yeah. So, uh, triple pane windows helps us a lot. Mm -hmm. Uh, When you look at sort of a house and you think about the wall assembly, if you use their fancy words, you know, how it's built, you've got two by fours, you've got insulation, you've got air sealing, and then you've got the window, which is otherwise just a big hole in the wall. (laughs) So, you're like, oh my gosh, everything's going in and out of the windows. Double pane is better than single pane. Triple pane is better than double pane. And that's what we actually have here. We're also controlling for the UV. Um, we're controlling for the emissivity. Of, emissivity. Yeah. Thank you. Um, <laughs> as the heat gain yeah. comes in and out because we yep. want to minimize the amount of mm-hmm. air conditioning that yep. we need um, and heat load. And the friends at Marvin helped us, you know, not only design these windows to get them, you know, up to code, right. up to speed for us, uh, but there's lots of them and we want yep. to use as many as we possibly could. So an efficient window is key. The project's a continuation of your brand's Generation Next initiative. You've got some apprentices working here. How's that initiative going? And, and, uh, what's your message to young people that are out there? The message to young people is that a career in the trades can be a very good one. It can be something you do after college or instead of going to college. There are There's a huge need for people who work with their hands and have skills. And we've got two young apprentices who've been working with us side by side. One is a young woman who came to us from Mississippi. The other one is local, a former Marine who's already been employed by right. Sweeners. So it's a great way to show people that this is a good job. Now, the other thing that was unique about this is you had owners that were pros. So that must have made the process easier because sometimes it's hard when you're building a project to communicate the needs to the owners that are not pros. You had an architect and a designer here, husband and wife, who own this property. Uh, not just pros, but smart pros. Um, and <laughs> okay. and ones who sort of manage their appetite. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not a big house. They didn't want a big house. They didn't want excessive space. Um, and it was really up to Don, our architect, really up to Don to come up with the net zero calculation to make this whole thing work. Right. So we were pleased to be working with them. It's still going to be on the them over the next 12 months to live accordingly because, as you know, even if you build it perfectly, if you leave the windows open or the air conditioning cranked too low, you will not make net zero. So now they're the ones who are going to have to actually live here and make that net zero work. And we'll find out a year from now if they pulled it off. All right. We'll see Kevin O'Connor, the host of This Old House. Thank you so much for stopping by the Money Pit. You can follow along online at thisoldhouse.com or check them out on Twitter and Facebook. Hashtag TOH Jamestown. Thanks, Kevin. Pleasure to be here. You're listening to the Money Pit Home Improvement Show on air and online at moneypit.com, coming to you today from Jamestown, Rhode Island. Just ahead, landscaping when you live near the sea takes on some special planning and some special grass, especially if you're looking for one that needs almost no 
chemical maintenance. We'll hear from this old house landscaping contractor, Roger Cook, about what it took to get this project done after this. You live in a body pit. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get sucked with allergens, too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-Pro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. The Money Pit is presented by ADT. Introducing ATD Go, the new family mobile safety app and service. Get ATD Go with 24-7 emergency response and any ATD security system. Go to ATD.com to learn more today. With 36-month monitoring contract, early termination and installation fees apply. Certain markets excluded. Licenses available at ADT.com. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler, coming to you today from Jamestown, Rhode Island, the construction site for the current project of this, the 40th season of America's most popular home improvement show, This Old House. You can follow the progress online at thisoldhouse.com and catch the latest episodes on your local PBS stations. And if all this talk of home remodeling has you thinking about your next project, you can call in your home improvement question now to 888-MONEY-PIT, presented by HomeAdvisor.com. Well, when it comes to designing a home, you also need to think about designing the lot that the home sits on. And that job fell to landscape architect Tom Ryan, who joins me now. Welcome, Tom. Hi. How are you? I'm doing well. So you guys did a lot of nice work here. And this house has physically gone through a very dramatic transformation from kind of a drafty, smaller, inefficient summer home to what's probably one of the most efficient homes in the areas. Uh, and it's been expanded a lot. So you need to figure out how to make space for all that in the landscape. So tell me about that process, because I think a lot of our listeners maybe have never uh, worked with a landscape architect. Mm-hmm. Well, we uh, we took a look at the lot, and on a lot this size, usually you try to use every square inch of the lot as usable space right. for the people that are here. And uh, so we, we took a look at the layout of the new house, mm-hmm. and try to relate spaces outside to inside. So there is a uh, kitchen, a back door entrance where they come and go most of the time. The trash comes in and out. We placed a grill near the back door. Uh, there is the barn uh, that they're in and out of and they do projects. It's a it's a family of of, of uh, constructors. They, right. They yes. build stuff. They build stuff, yeah. They definitely build stuff. Yeah. So we created a working yard off that garage and off the kitchen with a uh, with an op- flat open space 
a little area of, of paving, a little vegetable garden, and there's a sliding door between the garage and this open space. So it's kind of the overflow workspace. So, so, so it's kind of like um, bringing the indoors out and the outdoors in. It's exactly. a transitionary space where it's just very comfortable and moving from one zone to the next, so to speak. Exactly, exactly. And that's where the design comes in. And, and right. aside from the design, now you've got to actually plan the physical elements to actually perform what that intent is. Yes, right? yes. So we gave them both uh, an area of hard surface and an area of grass. Mm -hmm. uh, it designed a fence uh, that's kind of the back wall to this space. Put up a hedge between the house in the working yard, which takes out some of the view of the mess that might be there in the backyard, right out of the out of the kitchen windows. Yep. Uh, and then that's also a circulation space into the ba into the back backyard, uh, which is a larger grassy area for their two young boys to get out and do what young boys do. Now, if, if folks are listening to this, thinking, you know. What process should I go through if I want to improve my backyard space? What kind of tips would you give them to kind of get them started? Well, uh, what you mentioned before about relating the inside to the outside mm -hmm. is vitally important. Okay. So you can have a great space outside, but if you can't get to it, it doesn't do you a lot of good. Right. And, <laughs> and, and you want to go inside and look out all the windows, you know, because you're going to live in the, and it's New England, we live inside quite a lot of the time, right. so a lot of the views out the windows are just mm -hmm. as important as the views of the house or the views in the open space. And then to zone those different areas as they relate to the house and as they relate to the outside property lines. We so, don't really think of the outside as being rooms, but in a sense it is, right? <laughs> exactly yeah. the rooms. Yeah. And, and the smaller the house, the more useful those rooms are right. and the more important they are. Right. If you've got a five-acre lot, you have a house and it's usually in lawn and, you know, it, everything kind of bleeds out. But when you have a small house like this, those outside edges become more defined and they become more integral into the living of the house. So all really important things to, to keep in mind if you're... You know, if you've just completed the summer and you're thinking about now's when I'm going to start planning for next year, you got about six or eight months now to start staring at those windows and thinking about those spaces. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and, you know, really living through it in your head, mm -hmm. uh, maybe making a paper model of it, I always suggest, because people sometimes can't imagine the space and make sure everything oh, fits. Exactly. Uh, but now's the time to do that, and that's great information. So congratulations on a well-done project here. Tom Ryan, landscape architect on this project. Thank you so much for stopping by the Money Pit. Great. Thank you. And you'll find This Old House and Ask This Old House on your local PBS stations. Plus, for more details and behind-the-scenes photos, visit thisoldhouse.com or follow at This Old House on Twitter and Facebook at hashtag TOH Jamestown. Well, as you've heard, there are many, many things about this home that are special, and that includes the lawn. There's actually a very unique type of turf called micro-clover here. With us to talk about that is this old house landscaping contractor, Roger Cook, and Pat Hogan with Sodco. Welcome, guys. Welcome. How are Welcome. you? So this is a house where the environment is really at the forefront, and you've chosen a type of turf here that is extremely sustainable and pretty much defines uh, environmental sensibility for, for a landscape. Let's talk about it. You call it micro-clover. What is it? The micro-clover is just what it is. It's a clover, but it's uh, not like the Dutch clover. It's right. a minimally flowering, non-colonizing clover okay. that we've mixed in with our tall fescue mix and is very trout tolerant. 
The clover takes the atmospheric nitrogen, converts it into nitrogen that the grass can use, so you don't need to fertilize it. Now, Roger, when it comes to fertilizing and getting the, the lawn chemicals just right, that's something that trips a lot of people up, right? Well, we spend a lot of time on our lawns trying to get them just right, and usually it's in the past it's always been a bluegrass lawn. Right. Bluegrass wants a lot of water and a lot of feed, and then you got to spray for weeds and bugs and everything else. Now, this is a type of turf that you see a lot commercially. Is it unusual to put it in a residence? Well, we've just started growing this in the past few years, and right. so it's something that's going to we see is the future. It's going to keep going. Right, yes. exactly. How does it stand up in terms of like wear and tear? I mean, this house has, has two kids that are growing up in it. You know, is it tough for that? It's tough for that. At the Idea House, a couple of weeks ago here for this old house, so they had quite a bit of traffic mm -hmm. across that lawn. And mm -hmm. uh, I was back there last week with a professor from Penn State that had done research on this. And the stuff looked gorgeous. He was uh, very happy to see it. So when you put down uh, sod, Roger, as opposed to you know growing a lawn from scratch, what's the prep involved? Uh, I think it's the same as we've always been doing, right? Mm -hmm. We take what soil is there and we rototill or scarify and loosen it all up right. so that the roots that are coming in can get down into it, anchor themselves, and get whatever moisture is there. Then we fine grade, we'll, we'll put in some lime if it needs it, and then either seed or sod. Now, we're in the midst of a torrential rainstorm right now. No, <laughs> as you guys I think can the heavy see. stuff is just coming. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah. No issue with irrigation today, but does it take the same amount of water or less or more than you, what a traditional lawn would get? Another one of the beautiful things about it is it does not use a it lot of water. It doesn't use a lot of water. No. Yeah. We have to get fact. We have to educate people on not watering so much. That's right. Yeah. Uh, at the Idea House, I've already had to contact the irrigation contractor and say, shut the water off. It's yeah. had enough. Now, Pat, can you add this to an existing lawn, or do you always have to start from scratch with sod? Uh, I think with the microclover, you can overseed it into it, but I would say you wouldn't want to do it into a bluegrass lawn because that's not a, really a drought-tolerant lawn. They're dissimilar lawns, essentially, right? Correct. And, and that's just not They're not going to get along, <laughs> right? those two types. Right. Yeah. We've put it in with the tall fescue that's more drought-tolerant. Now, this is a harsh environment because it's right here on the coast. I guess it's an appropriate product for a seaside community. Uh, yes, it is. Because you have the, a lot of salt and, and it's, all that. It's yeah. actually more... Uh, salt resistant yeah. than bluegrass is well that's what i love about this old house i mean you know you learn things that you just wouldn't imagine really exist i mean the fact that there's this very specialized type of side that has all of these benefits to it is is so cool and, and by you guys you know always sort of pushing the envelope and coming up with this stuff for projects like that, it just you know it just keeps fascinating the audience, and that's probably why you've been around for for forty years now. This is the end of the fortieth season, so congratulations on all the good work you put into that, Roger. Uh, I mean, thanks. Some run here, huh? Yeah. Well, you talk about pushing the envelope. Sometimes you push <laughs> too hard in the wrong direction, and things come back to bite you. But no. Well, you guys um, have done a great job with this house, and, and thanks for sharing the tips with us, and uh, and best of luck for continuing. Thanks, success. Tom. It's good to see you. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. You can learn more about this project by following the team at thisoldhouse.com. You can watch your local PBS stations for the next episodes or follow them on Twitter and Facebook at hashtag TOH Jamestown. 
This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Broadcasting today from a beautiful and very energy efficient home in Jamestown, Rhode Island. It's where the Thistle House team has built a home that actually makes all the energy it needs to operate. Today's broadcast is presented by Home Advisor. It's the fast and easy way to find the right pro for any kind of home project. Just ahead, if you thought things that were factory built maybe were not quite as good as something that might be handmade, well, you'll be wrong. The entire foundation for this home was built in a factory hundreds of miles away and then transported here to this very building. We'll find out how that was done next. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. Money Pit. The Money Pit is presented by Train. Inside the Train testing facility, they test their heating and cooling products in the harshest conditions found in nature, all to ensure their products can run through anything. That's why it's hard to stop a train. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler, coming to you today from Jamestown, Rhode Island, where the team from this old house has restored and added on to a 100-year-old home, making it a net zero home which is basically one that's so efficient, it creates all the energy it needs to operate. You can catch the next episode on your local PBS station or follow along at thisoldhouse.com. Today's broadcast is presented by Home Advisor. It's the fast and easy way to find the right pro for any kind of home project. Well, every season on This Old House, we see amazing transformations of homes, and we very often see the carpenters and the tradesmen here building those from scratch right on site. But... Sometimes we see buildings actually built elsewhere and brought onto the site and assembled. And that's what happened here in Jamestown, Rhode Island with the barn that we're actually sitting in right now. 
This was a kit building that was constructed by Country Carpenters. And with me to talk about that whole process is Paul Baker. Welcome, Paul. Hi, how are you? I'm well. So, you know, I think folks tend to think that um, factory-made or prefab, you know, may not mean quality. But to me, it means better quality than what I could do on a job site because you're able to control all of the conditions under which these buildings are made, correct? I would agree with that completely, yeah. And you have the buying power because you're making a lot of the same buildings and, of course, the expertise in uh, you know, getting it right every single time. Absolutely. So what's the process like if, if a homeowner is interested in uh, a product like this barn, for example, that we're in right now? Sure. So we have a, at our production facility, we actually have a full indoor showroom and a village of post and beam models. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So the clients can actually look, feel, touch. Uh, walk through the space. Walk through the space. Yeah. 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 Try it on for size. Exactly. And then yeah. we can get moved down from the village into the showroom and look at plans and pictures of examples of the style building they might be interested in. And that's where the process begins. Now, you said post and beam. I know that's uh, your stock and trade, but for those who are not familiar with that type of construction, please explain. Sure. So that's actually how uh, our country was first built. When uh, the our forefathers sailed over from the motherland, uh, they disassembled their ships and used the posts and beams to build their first buildings. And now um, we, we carry on that tradition of felling big timbers, big rough sawn timbers, and producing buildings uh made in that uh, old New England style, both in, in their appearance and in the type of construction that it is, full dimension, rough sawn lumber. What uh, materials are we talking about? We're here? talking about specifically eastern white pine. Huh. Right. Okay. And how does that stand up in terms of disease resistance? Uh, it stands up pretty well. A lot of people don't realize it, but some of the oldest buildings in New England were made from pine. Made from pine. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, yep. typically you think of, you know, cedar, for example, right. as being insect resistant, but right. eastern white pine does a fine job as evidenced by the age of these buildings. Exactly right. It does require maintenance. It's a wooden structure. You know, you can't right. just let it sit there. You, you do have to keep after it, but uh, there's something special about, about wood. Yeah. Now, what are these buildings used for? I mean, we're in a barn right now, but what are some of your customers doing with these buildings? The list of uses that I've seen over my time with Country Carpenters is a long list. Primarily garages, but we actually see some of our buildings used for livestock, airplane building, boat building, huh. yoga studios, antique shops, garden centers, uh, backyard businesses, just simple retreats, workout spaces. Um, it, yeah, it's a long, long list of uses. We're talking to Paul Baker from Country Carpenters. They manufacture post and beam buildings for a wide variety of use, as we've just heard. And then they're shipped to the site to be constructed just there. Now, do you guys do the assembly? Or in most cases, do the homeowners hire local contractors to put the buildings together? We build about 40% of all the buildings we ship every year. But we also ship not only in New England, but all over the country. So we can't build all of our buildings. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, the majority of them are in kit form, but we keep four separate crews of full-time employees building these buildings all year long for our clients. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about your website. Where can folks mm. go and, and kind of learn about the wide variety of structures that are available to them? Uh, folks can visit us at www.countrycarpenters.com. We also have a Pinterest page, a Facebook page, and Instagram as well. Yeah. So what do you think of the finished product here in Jamestown? It looks great. It's proud it's, of this? Yeah, we're really proud of it. It's great to come back and see it after it's finished, see how the client is using it. Yeah, it's fantastic. Well, we had an insane rainstorm today. No squeaks, no leaks, no <laughs> shuddering, no moving. Rock solid. So well done. Paul Baker from Country Carpenters, thank you so much for stopping by The Money Pit. You're very welcome. Thank you. 
This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Coming to you from Jamestown, Rhode Island, it's wrap day for the 40th season of this old house. Up next, old homes can come with a lot of old wiring, but is all that old wiring a problem? We'll find out when the Money Pit returns. Plus, one project that's pretty common in old homes is taking down wallpaper. We'll have tips to help you get that project done in today's pro project presented by HomeAdvisor.com next. You live in a body pit. The Money Pit is presented by HomeAdvisor.com. Whether it's minor repairs or major remodels, leave it to HomeAdvisor to do the work. Check out HomeAdvisor.com. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler coming to you today from Jamestown, Rhode Island, the site of the current project on this, the 40th season of America's most popular home improvement show, This Old House. Well, one project that's pretty common in old homes is removing wallpaper, and that's a project you might just think about leaving up to a pro. We've got a few tips to help in today's pro project presented by HomeAdvisor.com. First, if you've got wallpaper to remove, the first thing you need to know is the type of wall covering and the type of wall surface that's underneath. Now, in most cases, walls are either drywall or plaster. You can usually tell by the feel. Plaster is harder and smoother than drywall. Now, since drywall is more susceptible to water damage, it's going to be a lot harder surface to remove wallpaper from. Next, you need to know what kind of wallpaper you're dealing with. If the paper is the type called strippable, removing it is pretty easy. You just grab a corner and peel. But more than likely, it's not, which leaves you with two options, soaking and scraping or steaming it off. Now, if you're soaking the paper, that requires just the right amount of warm water and wallpaper solvent be applied to it. It's on drywall, though, and it gets too wet, the wall can become damaged. Now, once that wall is wet, the paper gets scraped off, usually a little at a time. I mean, it's a pretty slow process. Another option is steaming. Now, with plaster walls, you really can't hurt them too much. But for drywall, once again, you need to be careful. Too much steam, and they can become water damaged. Now, the type of wall and wallpaper you have can impact the cost a pro will charge for the process. But most pros will charge by the hour for this job and should be able to quote an estimated price ahead of time based on the size of the room. And that's today's pro project presented by HomeAdvisor.com. With HomeAdvisor, you can get matched with top-rated home service pros in your area, compare prices, read verified reviews, and book appointments online, all for free. No matter what the type of job, HomeAdvisor makes it fast and easy to hire the best local pros. Well, old homes come with a lot of old wiring, and that was certainly the case with this old house as well. Lots of wiring that had outlived its usefulness, including what would have been probably the original wiring for a 100-year-old home. It's a type called knob and tube. So with us to talk about the safety of all that old wiring and what needs to be done with it is electrician Ben Giles. Welcome, Ben. Hey, how are you? We're good. Thanks for stopping by the Money Pit. This is an interesting area. Lots and lots of history right here. Lots of old homes. And would you agree that knob and tube is probably the first sort of centrally wiring that may have been added to these buildings? Yeah, for sure. That was the first modern type of wiring that could be afforded by your average person. It wasn't a steel pipe installation or something right. that was highly labor intensive to install. So it was pretty widely used in the early 1900s as one of the first real residential methods of wiring. Now, it's interesting for those that are unfamiliar with knob and tube, 
we're actually talking about real knobs and real tubes here. When it was run through beams, so you drill a hole and they would put like a ceramic tube through it to sort of insulate the wire from the wood. And then when it went parallel to the beams, it would be strung on these ceramic knobs. And it was essentially an air-cooled system. So air had to circulate around it. But then we decided we were going to heat these homes and add insulation and what happens? Well, it heats up. The other thing I think that happens too a lot in these older homes is, you know, when the homes were originally built and designed, they weren't designed for things like vacuum cleaners, dishwashers, air conditioners, all of these modern appliances that right. we have today. And all of those things these days are grounded a lot of the time. So what you get is people kind of tagging new wiring onto the old system in unsafe ways. Right. And using it incorrectly. Uh, and again, those systems were never intended to carry those kind of loads. Coupled with poor installation techniques of newer wiring and the, and the increased loads of the homes, it just creates some dangerous situations. But the original installation, the way that it was intended to be used, was actually not yeah. a bad one. Right. It was fairly safe. It was, it was the environment that changed around it. Now, for this house here in Jamestown, did you find any existing knob and tube that was still active? Oh, yeah. There was definitely most of the house had some knob and tube in it. There were a lot of things tapped off of that knob and tube, just like I just said. People trying to get something that they didn't have and make it work with the existing system. Um, so it was definitely a, a relatively dangerous situation in this house. You know, things that definitely needed to be taken back to zero and start over. And a real education, and I understand that you spent quite a bit of time working with the apprentices for this season, Mary Smith and, and Kevin Barker. How'd they do? Oh, those guys are great. I've actually known Kevin for quite a while. He worked for another contractor that I subcontract to. So Kevin, I'm pretty familiar with. He's a great guy, good carpenter, definitely learning a lot and, and kind of progressing towards that skilled tradesman type of position. Uh, and Mary was just awesome, you know, really I only got to work with her a few times, but she definitely had a great attitude, willing to work hard, wanted to learn, loves what she does. So those types of people are always fun to be around. So they were brought on this show basically as an example of what we need in this country, which is young people that are learning skilled trades. Do you think they were good ambassadors for that mission? Oh, for sure. Yeah. You know, they both love what they do. They both love to learn about what they do. So that's a great start. You know, you can teach a lot of things, but you can't teach work ethic or passion. So those guys are both great for that. We're talking to Ben Giles. He was the electrician on this project in Jamestown, Rhode Island. And Ben, before I let you go, I understand you had some uh, help with this project, kind of a star assistant joining you with the rough wiring. You had Congressman Don Norcross from my home state of New Jersey stopping by. That was pretty interesting. He used to be an electrician, right? Yeah, he was a commercial and industrial guy. Huh. Uh, he worked with the union and did larger installations, but definitely a great guy. Very, very nice to talk to. Uh, very knowledgeable and very interested in this whole Generation Next and apprenticeship proliferation stuff. So he's a great guy in that field. And he didn't make a federal case out of it. <laughs> no, no. He was very easygoing. Um, yeah. You could just tell that that's really his passion is to get young people sure. into trade jobs that will really carry them a long way. Well, you guys have done a great job at doing just that. Ben Giles, thanks so much for stopping by the money pit and for the inspiration and leadership that you've shown by helping these young, skilled trades folks learn what this position is all about, learn what the trades are all about, and hopefully inspire others to do the same.
Oh, well, thank you for having me. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. You'll find more information about this project on your local PBS stations. You can watch it right there. Also, check out behind-the-scenes photos at thisoldhouse.com. You are listening to the Money Pit Home Improvement Show, coming to you from Jamestown, Rhode Island, and the set of TV's This Old House. You can watch the progress as it happens on your local PBS station or follow along online at thisoldhouse.com. And if all this talk of old houses has you thinking about your old house, call in your home improvement question right now to one 888 Pit, presented by HomeAdvisor.com. Up next, This Old House is celebrating the end of the 40th season. Master Carpenter Norm Abram has been there the entire time. He joins us to talk about that history next. You live in a body pit. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler coming to you today from Jamestown, Rhode Island, where I'm pleased to be on site with the entire cast of this old house as they wrap production on this, their 40th season. Well, imagine you're a young carpenter and you get a job building a small barn for a guy. Now, imagine that guy's a television producer who kind of likes your work and invites you to be part of a new home remodeling show on PBS. Well, Norm Abram doesn't have to imagine any of that because that's how he got his start on this old house. <laughs> and he joins us now with the story. So, Norm, that's the 40th season. Man, and it all started with you getting a job. You were That was a lucky job you got, huh? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I tell people, you know, when Russ approached me and mm-hmm. Russ Marash approached me and he said, I'm thinking about doing this show about doing home improvement or remodeling. And I went, Okay, uh, I have no idea what you do, because <laughs> I, I had no clue what a TV producer does and, right. and, and a director, and, uh, you know, I kind of put it off at first. I said, well, you know, I got enough work for now. It really wasn't the truth, because right. the, the economy was pretty slow, Right. and then one day he said, let's take a look. Let's go up to the project, and um, he, I said, all right, you know, I can do this. I can take the time. Little did I know that television was going to be part of the story. I oh, thought, oh I you thought, didn't know that television was going to be no, part of it when you went to look no, at the job? No, I was just going to be swinging a hammer. <laughs> what you did every day, right? Yeah. Right. And yeah. I told my wife, I said, well, you know, I'm going to be on TV. I'm going to, you know, walk through a scene <laughs> with the ladder over my shoulder. And then one day, the second show, the very yeah. second show, um, Russ told the audio guy to put a mic on me. And right. I'm like, okay, what's this about? <laughs> And he said, well, you just, and this is, this is the truth of how Russ created these shows. Is right. It wasn't scripted ahead of time. Right. And he just said, you're going to go up there in the scaffolding and you're going to tell Bob what the situation is, why you think it, you know, it deteriorated right. and how you're going to fix it. Right. And when you think about it now, 40 years later, that's the model for the entire show. Exactly. Whether it's carpentry yep. or plumbing yep. or electrical work, it's that's the model. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're basically you're you're the house is talking through you. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. Now the other thing is that you that that barn you built, right? Now I read that you actually produced the New Yankee Workshop in that same barn on Russ's property. Is that right? Well, it, that was part of the New Yankee Workshop. Okay. So when I built the structure for Russ there, it was right. a garage and a garden shed. And that garden shed was attached to the Victory Garden Show, mm-hmm. which was another one of his shows. Right. That had been going on for many years, even before this old house. So when he approached me about doing the New Yankee Workshop, at first, we, you know, he said, well, we ha- actually, we had been doing segments in there for this old house, in that right. small shed. 
Yep. And he said, well, how about a woodworking show? And we knew we couldn't do it in that small shed. So we had an, an addition designed by an architect we had been working with before. And Russ and I actually built that structure to do the New Yankee Workshop. Wow, yeah. And then you did, what, 20-something seasons on it? 21 years on wow. the New Yankee Workshop. Wow, yeah, man. Yeah. Well, you've uh, you've grown up on television in a lot of ways, huh? I sure yeah. have. I mean, <laughs> uh, but, you know, it, yeah. it's, uh, it was fun. I give a lot of credit to Russ for yeah. letting us professionals uh, express the work that we yeah. do to help homeowners. Yep. We'd never turn it down again. Wouldn't change a thing. I huh? wouldn't change a thing. All right. Norm Abram, thank you for, for 40 seasons of, mm. of instructive, enthusiastic, inspiring television on this old house. Oh, thank you. Um, we, we run it, Tom and I, when we were at the Builders Show in January, you were down there, too. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Every five minutes, we were getting stopped by people who were either be, had already were contractors or were becoming contractors, and they said, you know, it's because of you guys we got involved, and we want to keep that moving forward. Fantastic, and you sure will. Norm Abram, thank you so much for stopping by the Money Pit. You've been listening to the Money Pit Home Improvement Show coming to you today from Jamestown, Rhode Island, where we've had the rare treat of celebrating the final day of production with the talented craftsmen as they complete the 40th season of this old house. To learn more about the Jamestown House Project or the Generation Next Initiative, visit thisoldhouse.com or follow at thisoldhouse on Twitter and Facebook, hashtag TOH Jamestown. I'm Tom Kreitler. Thanks for listening. Remember, you can do it yourself, but you don't have to do it alone. Pit.